Welcome back to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. And if this is your first time joining me, welcome. I am so glad you could be here today. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoy this episode, would you share it with a friend? You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram where I share short devotionals as well as videos to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. If you are looking for some good resources for deepening your faith, just visit sitstillmydaughter.com where you will find blog posts, free Bible reading plans, and other helpful information. Be sure to sign up to receive the monthly newsletter so you will be the first to know what special events or updates will be taking place in the future. And if you received this month's newsletter, you already know about the ladies conference that will take place next year on Saturday, April 20th. I am excited to share this announcement and know that you will be blessed by the amazing women who will be speaking at this event. Tickets are on sale now and will include a fabulous swag bag, some delicious morning refreshments, as well as a fabulous lunch and three workshops. Plus, there will be door prizes. My desire is to encourage your heart with the truth of God's word and inspire us in our walk with him. So be sure to check out the link in the show notes. Are you ready for the answer to the Bible trivia question I asked you last week? Who said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his? The answer is Daniel and found in Daniel 2 verse 20. Our question for next week is, how does this proverb end? He that is slow to wrath is, he that is slow to wrath is. And remember, I will have the answer for you on the next episode. Today, we are wrapping up our study on the fruit of the Spirit. Please know that I have made a little flyer available for you to download on my website that has the main definitions of each fruit of the Spirit, as well as some helpful questions to ask ourselves on a regular basis. So be sure to download your copy. I hope this study has been a blessing and a challenge. I know that these studies have really made me think and reevaluate my behavior and reminded me of how much is lacking in my life. And it is especially true with this final fruit, which is temperance. The word means self-control and is a virtue of one who masters their desires and passions, especially sensual appetites. Elizabeth George says self-control is about conquering self. And I think that's a good point. A person who is self-controlled is one who is disciplined. It is not their flesh who is in control of them. They are not led by their passions or feelings, but by the Lord. These are the individuals who have said no to temptation. While we know that hard work is a key ingredient to mastering self, there is something else that is important to note about self-control. It is usually driven or motivated by something. Think about that. Rarely does a person say, I want to be disciplined just because it seems like a good thing to do or sounds fun. For example, an athlete who desires to make it to the Olympics has the drive to get up every morning to work out and give up everything that is needed in order to get there. 
People like Michael Phelps and Simone Biles didn't win a gold medal by accident. They changed their diet and even limited their social activity so they could spend hours training, preparing for that important moment. When we read about the fruit of the Spirit, we know that these are the signs of a mature believer, one who has spent their life cultivating these various traits. And I think a key word is cultivate. Do we desire these traits enough to invest the energy and hard work it requires to cultivate them? Are we motivated enough to give up whatever is needed to make it happen? God will never force himself on us. But he has given us a promise that for those who put in the effort, those who run their race well and finish their course will receive a reward. I read a fascinating book called The Marshmallow Test. Of course, the marshmallow was what caught my attention. Uh, It is by Walter Mischel on the topic of mastering self-control. I was blown away by the things he said a man who has spent nearly four decades four decades studying self-control, specifically children, and what influences their ability to either be or not be self-controlled. There was a specific story that caught my attention. Mr. Mitchell went to a country in which two different cultures resided side by side. The children from these two backgrounds had different responses to his test. To each group, he promised a greater reward if they would wait a couple of days to receive it. One group had no problem waiting, while the other rarely chose to wait. Mr. Mitchell soon discovered why. The group that didn't want to wait grew up with adults who often promised something but failed to deliver it. So the children learned that you better take what you can now because you won't always get what is promised. In many ways, that sounds like one of Satan's tricks. He tries to undermine the faithfulness and trustworthiness of God and making us think that he will not fulfill his word or that he doesn't mean what he says. We can do it this once. It's not a big deal. We can fall for this lie when we are not walking in the spirit and spending time in his word. We begin to doubt God and will soon find ourselves succumbing to the tempter. Now, the other group who were almost always willing to wait, had a better experience with adults and a greater trust in their word because it had been kept over and over again. This is the category we should lean into when Satan comes with his bag of tricks. Our Heavenly Father has never once, never once let us down. His promises are true even when things are rough and it seems that everything is pressing in. His word remains true and it will never fail or be voided. This is why we can deny ourselves and take up our cross because in the end, every hurt, wound, and sorrow will be worth it all when we see his face and hear those words, welcome home, my child. This is our motivation for cultivating a self-control in our lives. Every denial and every discipline will be worth it. So what does self-control look like? And How do we even start? Well, let's consider what a lack of self-control looks like in our life. A person with no self-control has zero control over their emotions. They get angry whenever they are frustrated or aggravated, no matter who's around. They say whatever comes to mind with no thought to its effect on who's listening. They think whatever thoughts they want with no regard to how it will impact or influence their mind or behavior. They do whatever pleases them, no matter the consequences, or the cost. Basically, 
they go through life satisfying themselves. Remember what we said earlier, self-control means mastering self. It takes our sinful flesh out of the driver's seat. A self-controlled person has made the word no part of their vocabulary. Now, this does not mean that they are a boring person who never does anything fun, but they want God to be in control of their life, not their flesh. Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth made an interesting observation about this. She said that this fruit of the Spirit influenced all the other eight, and I believe she is right. A person who is self-controlled knows how to love others, puts them in first place instead of themselves, and is willing to serve. They don't let their circumstances dictate their joy, but find it in God. They know God's peace because they are focused on him and not their surroundings. And they exercise patience with people. They are faithful, which is a product of self-control in a way, since it requires that we are focused and disciplined to finish a task no matter what. And a self-controlled person is both gentle, generous, and meek. Truly, Self-control impacts every area of our life, which is why it is so important that we cultivate it in our life. So how does one start down the path to mastering self? I like the list Elizabeth George shared in her book, God's Garden of Grace. First, we must begin with Christ. She shares a wonderful quote, which said, the beginning of self-mastery is to be mastered by Christ, yield to his lordship. That statement really should make us stop and take a moment. Who is in control of our life? If we are living for self, then our flesh is on the throne. But if we desire to become a self-controlled believer, we must put Christ on the throne. We must let go of our life and yield to him and let him guide each step. But this requires trust, which is built on how well you know someone. And we can't know him unless we spend time in the quiet place. Second, Elizabeth says to monitor your input. And what she means by that is not to let yourself look at the wrong things. And we could also put a plug in about what we listen to as well. She gave the example of David when he took a lingering look at Bathsheba. If he had turned away instead of leaning in for a closer look, his story might have been very different. What we let ourselves listen to and look at and even read have far-reaching effects on our lives and can distract us from cultivating self-control. Keep your eyes heavenward and your mind on heavenly things and on what you want to hear when you see Jesus. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Third, she suggests to stay busy. Idleness breeds problems, but I do want to say that we were created to rest and that it is not a bad thing. Balance will be a key word when trying to accomplish this. I believe idle and lazy can mirror each other, but a balanced person is one who accomplishes what they need while at the same time making time to give the body the rest it needs. Fourth on the list is just saying no. While it may seem like something very basic, It is an essential word for those who want to develop the fruit of self-control. Joseph was able to withstand the seductions of Potiphar's wife every day because he had learned how to say no. When you feel yourself being tempted, say no and remember the reason behind the no. We can't do this great wickedness and sin against God. Lastly, pray. 
When reading the book Adorned by Nancy Wagamas, she mentioned the term Sofron woman and also has a list online that shared a comparison list of 49 things a Sofron, a self-controlled woman, does and does not do. I printed that list and placed it in my prayer notebook so I can pray through one item each day. And I would encourage you to do the same as it makes you think and keeps it at the forefront of your mind. There will be a link in the show notes for you to find the list. My friends, self-control is not an easy thing to grow, to cultivate in our spiritual garden, but it is essential. Please don't get discouraged when you feel like you're failing. My hand's up. I have struggled with that as well, but pick yourself up just like the righteous man did, even though he fell numerous times. Rise up, dust off, and look up. Remember that God is our strength. He does not ask us to do it on our own but he is ready to walk with us and lend us his own strength to accomplish the task. Let's be women who are motivated enough, who desire it enough to want to become a Sophron woman, women who have mastered themselves and walk in the spirit. And that is where we will end today's episode. Have a wonderful day, my friends. Mm -hmm.